Hello, I'm Jensen Beeler, and this is Motorcycles on the Record. This is the Motor Podcast. Today I'm with Oscar Solis of Pirelli, talking about what he knows best, tires. One of the most important components on a motorcycle, tires are perhaps the least understood by motorcyclists. And of course, a subject to much debate on internet forums and in real life. Oscar has a wealth of knowledge on the subject, though, and I think you'll see that in the episode. And I hope that this show is a start to an ongoing conversation that we'll have about tires. And in the future, we can dive deeper and deeper into the subject. As such, consider this a first installment on the topic, more of a primer on tires rather than a be-all, end-all conversation about them. Oscar certainly has some good insights to share, and I know I learned more than a few things from him in the process of doing this interview. So let's just get right down to it. All right, Oscar, for our listeners who don't know who you are, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. Yeah, my name is Oscar Solis. I'm the road race manager for Pirelli for North America. So tires are, you know, we're talking right before we started recording, like, I feel like tires are one of the most important things on a motorcycle that no one knows anything about. Mm -hmm. And maybe we have some strong opinions about them, but when it comes to understanding the basics, it's a little bit of a black box for us. Right. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, tires are, they, they could be as complex as you want or as general as you want. The problem is the faster you go, the more complex they are and the less they are just black and round. Um, you know, they got their own personalities when it comes down to it. And, uh, you know, I always say, hey, there's, there's a triangle of love. It's the rider, the bike, and the tires when it comes down to it. And so, you know, when those all come together, it's a, it's a pretty good package. Uh, if one is off in one way or the other, it affects the other ones, to be quite honest, too. So, um, you know, it, it's not always just black around, but it seems like it when you start off, for sure. Sure. Um, why don't we start with the basics and then work our way up? So I get a tire, I look on the side of it, it says... 180, 55, 17. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, so 180 is how wide the tire is. Uh, so it's the width. When you're looking um, from the back of the bike and you're looking on the tire, that's the width. So it's 180 millimeters wide. 55 is an aspect ratio. Um, you know, the engineering part is you go 180 times 0.55, right? 55%, and that's how tall it's going to be in sidewall. And then 17 inches, when you don't have the tire mounted, that's just the, the hole, the donut hole in the tire, and, and that's the diameter of that, so that's 17 inches in diameter. But the tire size that's printed on the tire isn't always necessarily the absolute tire size when it's on the bike, right? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's like shoes. If you look at different brands of shoes, you know, size 9 in this brand isn't really doesn't really feel like a size nine in another brand um it, even though it says 180 it, it could be a 183 it could be a 177 such like that so you really should go uh and check with your manufacturer or get what we call a fitment sheet pirelli the road race channel always has a fitment sheet it will actually tell you the actual dimensions of the tire and the width and the overall diameter and then you know, with the, some of the technical electronics, you could get the circumference from that and then dial that into your electronics so that way your traction control and ABS and work, uh, all works in unison like that and it has the actual numbers from that. I want to get to that traction control thing in a second because I, I think that's an interesting conversation. Sure. But looking more generally, like especially when I was like a, a newer rider, I had a 2004 R1. I think it came stock with like a 190 55 but there was always talk on forums like, do I get a 180 50? Do I get a 180 55? And now we have 255s, 200 600, or sorry, 260s. Yeah. Um, explain like what that does in terms of changing the characteristic of the tire and the bike. And also, you know, should we even be changing tire sizes on, on bikes like that? 
I don't think it's a bad, uh, bad idea to try them and um, see what's out there. I mean, again, I'll, I'll speak for the Road Race Channel just because that's my specialty. But, you know, some of the sizes are developed a lot more where you have a, a wider range of compounds that are available on those tires. So it's always a good idea to look at see what the availability is and see if you want to change the size. Now, you know, when it comes down to specifics, uh, usually, you know, taller tires in the rear will, will give you a little bit more flickability, it'll turn in better, but then you lose a little bit of high-speed stability. That's the general rule. Um, but saying that, obviously, you could change the bike to, to set up a little bit better for those tires. And and it, they're the new size. They're the more advanced um, application for compounds for a reason. And it's a whole bunch to do with not just the overall size. Um, it, does, it has something to do with the profile, also the carcass construction, how the tire is loaded, and, and whatnot. Um, Wider saying that wider is not always better as well. So um, you, you have to keep in consideration that uh, you know when it comes to just uh, sizing, it's not just when the bike is up and down. It's also from you know when you're leaned over and how it's loaded, um, and how much contact patch you're actually putting on onto the tire and uh, have underneath you. So. It's a long, boring conversation, and I won't bore you too much, but that's just the generality of it. It's, it's, it's really dynamic, and there's not going to be one size that's just the best for your, your bike, but I wouldn't be afraid for, for trying the other sizes, uh, especially if there's a lot more availability and advancement in those sizes for sure. How far is too far? So like, let's lose, use my R1 as an example. Yep. How narrow of a tire would I want to go at the maximum? How how wide or how tall of a tire would I want to go? Yeah, that's. A, I mean, it's a good question because there's a, a quite a bit of evolution going on, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, I mean, the last race at uh, Roll Superbike uh, in Aston, uh, I'll get back to your example with your bike. Um, you know, we usually have a 180-60 for our, our 5.5 rims. Uh, I'll, I'll put the side note in here that it goes by rim size a lot. Not not just the actual numeral number of a 180, 190, 200 or anything like that. You really want to find the application that the manufacturer shows that is applicable for your rim size. Um, and for right now, Pirelli is saying a 180-60 is the mainstream size for a 5.5. Um, the funny thing is that Aston, we just tried out a, a 190-60 um, uh, for the 600, which has that 5.5 rim. And it's, it's actually... Uh, it had pretty good feedback, um, so there's an evolution in a step there. Now, if we go to your R1, your R1 is a 6.0 inch wide rim. Um, and back back in the day, I'll put this in air quotes. You know, it's a 190 that was there. Right. Um, and now, now the norm is a 255. A lot of the manufacturers are going 255 for OEM. We use a 260 right now. Uh, for our race product and honestly we've been in real suit bike we've been with the 265 which is a bigger tire uh, additionally as well um, so it, it seems like the rear is getting bigger and bigger but at the same time it's not just hey we're going to take a a 190.55 and we're going to make it a 255 and everything's exactly the same we just made it bigger it's, it doesn't work like that we have a lot of uh, construction um, changes that we make uh, and actually, uh, the compound is a little bit different from, from side to size as well, just because of the interactions with the bike and how it's loaded and what kind of feedback that we're getting from the riders and saying, hey, yeah, it's not just that simple. So, um, so yeah, and, and also profile, just because that it's a, a bigger size doesn't mean it keeps the same profile either. Like the profile could change and we do, we do a lot of work and a lot of iterations and, and testing, um, when we do change the sizes and, and such. So, um, I know it's a really great answer to uh, your, your what seems a pretty simple question, but it's, uh, 
that's how it is. It's not black and white. We, we put a lot of uh, thought into this and, and changes and what seems to be the best for these. So, yeah. And the front sizes, of course, it seems to be uh, staying still a lot, too. It's a 127.70 seems to be the main staple. But I will asterisk that and say we, we do now have a 125.70 that we paired with the bigger rear in the World Superbike, the 265. Um, and that seems to be matching up very well. Yeah, I heard about that. That's actually something I wanted to ask you about because I know we've, we've seen a lot of growth, literally, in the rear tire size. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I have heard kind of rumblings about maybe the front tire size is getting changed around a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, especially from, from Pirelli. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, why, why is that? What is, what is the advantage? It's just because there's new requirements being placed on the front tire because of the larger tire sizes in the rear or are you finding new things that a different tire size in the front can do for the bike that it wasn't doing before right so uh not, not i won't uh give away any kind of tire thing or anything like that but uh, you have to uh, realize that when you go to a different size you don't just look at the geometry of a bike standing up and down you definitely have to look about if you're leaning over how that side geometry looks as well Right, so when, when you're leaning over and you're going through a turn, there's a track that your motorcycle takes. There's this line that it goes, and you know it's a normal line that goes through. Front goes this way, and the rear, you know, follows suits. Yada yada. But what happens if you have a different size, either a smaller rear or a way bigger rear, and you lean it over? Is that geometry is, is different? So there's a different track. So there's a lot. Uh, it's a lot different uh, characteristic, riding characteristic feedback uh, that that bike will tell you just by changing one size or the other. And so, again, you have to take uh, take that in consideration that it's not just the bike up and down. It's when it's on its side and make sure that's a good match as well. Has that changed at all as riding styles have changed or as let's say super bikes have changed? Because I look at my time as a rider. You know, I don't know for I have an I still have it. An O four R one. Sure. I mean, it's practically outdated. I don't have any electronics on it. And now we have bikes that have IMU-powered traction control. They have corn ABS. They have wheelie control. They have all these things. And that's kind of changed the game quite a bit. Sure. So how does how has that affected uh, tire development in terms of tire sizing? And how has that kind of changed as riding styles have adapted to these new, either, let's say, engine characteristics, chassis characteristics, and electronic characteristics. Yeah, I mean, and one of the biggest things that actually changed is a lot of people are, are, are getting bigger lean angles than they have in the past as well, due to a lot of the aids and, you know, a lot of advancements. So that's, that's one of the things that we have to consider when, it, when we design the tire and everything like that, is just how much more lean angle there is and the, the amount of loading that that's going on with the tire. And it does affect the sizing overall and, and the traction control and everything like that too. So it's, it, it does. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you definitely have to take consideration and, and understand these thoroughly and know your bike in and out. And especially with the electronics, because we see, you know, World Superbike or Moto America even, you know, electronics has a lot to do with how well a, a team can do. And so it's, it's really important to pay attention to that. Know if you go from one size to a different size that, uh, you know, you're either teaching or your electronics is learning the difference for sure. One of the things that was really interesting to me when you guys brought out the bigger tire and Superbike last year, mm -hmm. uh, talking to those riders, you know, a lot, especially with all of the taller riders, were having a lot of issues. I may have said that wrong. I think it was the taller riders are having easier time. Um, but it wasn't as, as simple of, okay, the, the tire's taller, let's put a little bit less ride height in the rear, and it works just like the other one. It was, it was changing the, the characteristics of the bike. They were going ha back and having to uh, go through their electronic algorithms to, to calibrate it for the, the larger rear wheel. 
or sorry, the larger rear tire di- diameter. Right, right. There's a lot. There's a lot that's in it. There's a lot that's in it, and one of the teams that was able to catch on pretty quickly is Yamaha. Yamaha seemed to be the forefront. And, uh, was able to accept the tires really quickly, and um, it was honestly, you, you know, we, we tested the tires and and we got a little bit of pushback. Nobody really wanted to ride them, and then Yamaha kept on and kept on it, and actually found out that the hey, you know, the tires are good. The setup, you know, it's just need to change the setup a little bit, you know, tune the electronics, and they were they were going faster. And so all the other teams actually saw that and said, oh, well, hey, maybe we should uh, check this thing out again. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Honda was the last to actually accept it a little bit. But I know they're having some electronics uh, troubles and everything, too, at the time. So um, that's probably why it took a little bit longer. But, um, yeah, that's just to to show that, hey, you know, it could be better uh, in the long run. You just got to put your head down and and, uh, make the adjustments that you need to. And, and that's how it is. If we go, you know, if you switch from Brand X to Pirelli, uh, same thing. You know, it's a, it's not, not all the time where you could just swap it and go. You know, some of the, some of the setups really have to be changed drastically. Some of the setups don't really have to be changed that much. But it's always a good idea to look at that setup one way or another because you know another brand could be stiffer or a little bit bigger, a little bit slimmer or whatnot. And you have to really look at that. Uh, and you know, I'm gonna be honest i'm the tire guy saying this stuff and i do this uh you know day and night and this is kind of what i dream and that's how much of a tire nerd i am the average joe really is not gonna be that in tune or want to be that uh ingrained in it but i i feel like you know if you if you know your tires very well and you you understand your uh suspension well that's a good package and it'll take you pretty pretty fast pretty quickly put it that way Mm -hmm. for the consumer though it's not as easy as swapping out a new tire like for me on my on my r1 there's no electronics, so I don't have to worry about what that's going to do to things. I just go on. If, if it's the right tire size for the wheel, I'm going to be more or less okay. I'm just going to feel something different between the handlebars. Sure. But on the newer bikes, you have to deal with calibration. You have to deal, maybe probably work a lot with the, the OEMs, I would imagine, the, the motorcycle manufacturers themselves to make sure that those tires or those sizes are, are acceptable, right? Right. Yeah, it takes a lot of support. And, you know, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you know, the, the average rider... Usually don't have, uh, factory support or, uh, any kind of, you know, direct, uh, support from the manufacturer or anything like that. So the dealerships tend to have the lead on that where the dealerships will help you out. And, and a lot of the riders have relationships with the dealerships and stuff. So I think, uh, you know, to lean on them uh, a little bit for, for some of this assistance uh, is probably a good idea. But, you know, if you're lucky enough to have 04 R1 and not have to worry about it, it's, it's, uh, a lot easier for sure but there's still the, again there's still some setup changes you might want to do mechanical or or, or or not so what are the kind of changes that you would typically see like if i go from my 190 55 setup to a 200 it's a loaded question because i don't know it's it really is and and i'm going to be like that a lot not because i'm an engineer but it's uh, very dynamic because it's hard to know what your setup looks like in the beginning to where it's going to be it could have been off to begin with and the other tire put it spot on for you and the track or wherever you're at of course um but it could have been uh, right on and then it went off for one reason or another. But, you know, to generally answer your question, you know, if it's a 190.55 or 190.50 and a 255, the 200 is going to be uh, a little wider, a little taller. So it's going to basically raise the rear end of the, the bike a little bit. Like, like I mentioned a little bit before, you might notice that it tips in a little bit better, but it's a little bit unstable on the front. So most of the time you either want to raise the rear or, or um, bring down the front. Uh, sorry lower the rear or raise the front to match the height that you went up in the in the rear when you put that new 255 on there hmm. um, 
So it helps, but it, it, it changes the characteristics overall because now your bike is either a little bit higher, a little bit lower, and all that fun stuff too. So it's always a fun game. That's how racing is. That's how uh, it goes down to. It's just always a balance. It's a trade-off, and you just got to find the spot that you like to be in. And the funny thing is that once you find that spot, write it down for that track because it's probably going to be different in a different track anyway. So it, it's just totally dynamic, and that's that's the one of the things I like about racing is you always got to have your, your mind open, your ears open, eyes open, and just be willing to change things and try them out and see what works the best. I mean, I, I really want to be complacent when it comes down to it. It's good job security for you, too, if there's a kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> there isn't like a direct formula if it's just kind of a feeling and a right, uh, right. black box knowledge. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. It makes my job a lot harder too. I, I, you know, it's it's difficult at times, especially you know, on my job. You know, I I do work with World Superbike teams. I work with club racers here. I work with track day guys. So the spectrum is pretty broad. Um, but it's it's one of those where. You just got to step back a little bit, see what's going on, make the best uh, changes for yourself. And again, don't be afraid to try because once you try, you know, you know at that point you learn. So it's good. Mm-hmm. You kind of t- touched on it a moment earlier. You were talking about uh, stiffness uh, of the tires and, and the carcass design. Yeah. You know, when I talk to riders on like a real basic level, I talk about Pirellis as being one of the at, the, at the soft end of the spectrum and a brand maybe like Dunlop at the other end where it's a very stiff carcass. Sure. Explain to me, I guess, like the theory behind that, and then, then let's get into the details of it. Like, why would you want to have a stiff carcass or a soft carcass, or what are the advantages and disadvantages of both? And is there a middle? Right. Um, you know, I'm going to focus uh, squarely on Pirelli. Sure. Um, you know, yes, I agree that uh, the carcass is a little bit less uh, stiff or more flexible uh, than other brands for sure. Um, and, and for me, I think that's a really good positive, uh, and for a couple of reasons. One is is uh, it makes the tire a lot uh, more forgiving uh, because with the flexibility you get the contact patch, you know, and you get your contact patch, which allows you to load up the tire a little bit more. You don't ha- it; it's less susceptible to overloading. Put it that way. So it's very forgiving tire, and uh, there's been a lot of times where people are saying, "Oh man, I wish, I wish I had been on this earlier because there was this one turn I was just." hard on there and I knew I was going to crash, I knew I would crash, but I just loaded it up and, and it stuck and it was fine. So so to that, it is, it's really forgiving as well. A lot of the feedback is that the, the guys, the riders that I'm talking to. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, uh, heat in the tire is created by two ways, deflection and friction, right? So deflection of the tire and friction with the road. And so, you know, it's... it's not really hard to imagine that if you have a tire that deflects more, it's going to create more heat. And so when it comes time to like track days or, or going out in your first lap and everything like that, you know, it's, it's going to warm up faster. It's going to be, uh, you know, a little bit, it's going to be at the optimal temperature range, uh, quicker than, than a, a tire that is more stiff. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's what the street is for, stiffer carcass in the street to handle some of the, you know, the long rides and the different types of bikes and all this other stuff. But in the, in the racing segment, you know, we have one thing that we're doing and it's going, trying to go around in circles as fast as we can. And we want the safety and we want to have this tire that warm up pretty quickly. And the Pirellis do that very well. When we talk about carcass stiffness or carcass softness, like what, are, what are we talking about in particular in the, like on the construction side of that? Is that, a different material? Is that a different weave? I mean, how do you how do you tune that into a tire? Yeah, it's it's pretty much both of what you just said. I mean, the materials definitely have a lot to do with it. You know, um, we've tested a lot of materials throughout the years, and 
Some gives you, uh, you know, stif stiffness X, and another material gives you stiffness Y. So, you know, we purposely choose the materials that we do right now. The, the good thing about Pirelli is we do have a zero degree steel belt, and it's been chosen um, as the material for a long, really long time, actually. And as much as I like to say, hey, look, it sounds like L technology, if I didn't know any better or anything like that, it's actually pretty smart because it, overall the strands are pretty thin. It's not, it's not like it's a steel plate or anything like that don't get me wrong so it's it's still a pretty light tire overall even though we use a steel steel in the tire um but what it also does is it actually promotes um it, like warm-up and heat right and also heat distribution so you got a hot spot on the tire well it's going to go ahead and drag that hot spot and, and distribute it you know across the other parts of the tire just because of of the strands and stuff the steel strands so you know i could let you know that for sure um that you know the materials definitely is one way the way you put the materials and line it on the tire will give you a different stiffness and everything like that too so um yeah a, a lot of it is is that and and you know sidewall stiffness has a lot to do with it as well and you could use you know different things i'll put it that way different things to make different stiffness and, and we choose to look at all that and feel that the, the formula we have right now, what we chose in the past, has been the most forgiving and also the most universal. I mean, uh, we, we're using the same tires in World Superbike, the standard, you know, SC1, SC2s and all that stuff that we use all over the world. You know, we, you could go to a local uh, Pirelli trackside vendor and get the same uh, tire that they're using in World Superbike, just go around on a track there. So it's, it's pretty impressive that the, it's able to be used uh, in a global manner like it is. Uh, you said you guys use different things to, to this. It was like the sidewall. Is that just rubber thickness? I mean, explain that to me. Mm. Or is that secret sauce? Yeah, it's a, it's a little uh, too close to the sun for me on that one. But, um, yeah, I mean, just just imagine that we, we do look at all this stuff. We look at how the, the tire is curved, what kind of materials that is on the curvature, what's in the sidewalls, what's, you know, in, in what I'll call the bladder of the tire, which holds the air into the tire so it doesn't go kaput. Um, and, of course, the compound. On but stiffness is separate from, or overall stiffness, I guess we should say, is separate from tire pressure? Pressure has definitely a lot to do with it. I mean, right. that's, that's where uh, the Pirelli shines again because you can have a soft tire and you can have a stiffer tire depending on air pressure. Now, you know, it, of course, there's the balance again. You know, too much pressure, you can lose contact patch. You're probably not going to feel too comfortable or anything like that either. So, um, that's that's uh, again, that's the that's the. The way of the tire, you know, there's always a balance, there's always a trade-off. So, you know, you could definitely get a firmer fill out of the Pirelli, but you'll lose a little bit of contact patch. You get bigger contact patch, but you might have the stiffness that doesn't feel quite right and stuff. So, um, the, the, the dynamic of it is to find what works best for you. And then, again, air pressure, you know, the whole system is also including suspension. So, even if you tweak your suspension, which most of the time is what you do for setup, the tire will, will grip better. It'll even last longer at the same time. So you really have to make sure you look at the whole package and not just say, hey, I need to fix my problem. I'm just going to put three more pounds of air in it, and boom, we're good. Um, yeah, it might mask something, or if you go to a harder compound, sure, it might mask it in some inconsistencies, but it's still there. You still should look at that in the whole system for sure. Run me through compounds because, it, I mean, if, even if I just look at your guys' lineup versus, versus other brands, you have a lot of different tires, let's say, in the sport bike segment. Sure. All of which have different requirements for their compounds. Then you get into the race tires. You got 
Well, World Superbike, you rest with the SC0, you have SC1s, you have SC2s. Right. Somewhere and in the lab, probably some, there's an SC3 that's being worked on. There's an SC3 slick out already. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, there yep. you go. There you go. Um, yeah, exactly. So, we'll, you know, we'll focus on the race stuff right now. We On the front, we got the SC1, 2, and 3. No, we're, we're just talking about slicks. Uh, you got the 1, 2, and 3. And um, the 1 and the 2, honestly, the compounds, it's, it's, it's different, don't get me wrong, but they're not hugely different. The, the major thing with the 1 and the 2 is the fill. And the two, the two is just basically a, a stiffer, talking about stiffness, a stiffer tire overall due to construction. Okay, so, so the difference between SC1 and SC2 is mostly going to be what's the construction of the tire, not necessarily the rubber on the tire. Right. Okay. All right. The compound is a little different, so okay. make sure you know that. Okay. But the, the major part of it is the SC2 is a little bit stiffer uh, tire. So, you know, if you're on a 1,000 or if you're on a very fast 600 um, and you really need stability on the brakes and, and you know, you want that, that nice firm feel on the front, that's when you go with the SC2, right? The SC1 is good. With, it's a little bit forgiving. It's a little bit more flexible, like we were talking about. And uh, it's good for the 600s who really don't have a lot of force going, mashing on those forks in the front. And um, they don't really need that kickback with that with that uh, firmer feel, right? The SC3, I mean, you kind of take both of them. It's, uh, it's one of those things where it kind of feels like an SC2 with a little bit of the SC, uh, SC1 rubber on it. But it's, it's more of a more durable tire overall. Saying that, you know, we did, we have used it in a World Superbike. Uh, it actually holds a track record out in California on the front and everything. So it's it's actually a pretty proper tire as well. So um, so it's it's good to have that gambit and, and be able to have every application filled on the front. Um, on the rear, you're gonna, you know, we have the zero, one, two, and then the three as well. The Zero always got the stigmata of, hey, this is a qualifying tire and really soft thing, and it's only going to last three laps. Yeah, um, it might have been the case before my, my days, but now uh, it's a proper race, uh, race tire. It's the one that's actually setting the most lap records across America right now and everything. So it's, it's a good, fast tire. It's made for more of the smooth asphalts or really hot temperatures. So it's, it's made for that temperature range that's high. Um, the SC1 is our main stable. It's one that, that uses, uh, that you're going to use for most of the applications. You know, kind of cold, kind of warm, eh, maybe a little bit abrasive. Um, it's, it's the main stable. I say that anybody goes on Pirelli, start with that. If you could, you know, if you're going from another brand and your bike, works acts looks fine you know tire looks fine with the sc1 that that it's it's good it's, it's good in tune in my eyes um the sc2 is is more for the the colder temperatures it's a more durable tire um you know mornings when the track is cold and stuff it's it's a good it's a good pick to go to the sc2 um it, it takes a little bit more punishment it's not going to give you the outright grip as the one or the zero as well but that's the trade-off um, and then the three again is is a very it's a very broad op- operating range. It handles a lot of cold. It's kind of hot. Like if it gets a little hot, it'll get. It's one of those that like the compound doesn't really like it when it's too hot. That's that's SC zero territory. Um, but it's going to be the more durable compound out of all of them for sure. Taking those compounds and looking at the street side, I mean, do you use any of those compounds in a street application? Besides, like a DOT race tire, maybe, or is even that something different? The the tire that came out last year, the the um, Diablo uh, Rosa Corsa Two that came out, um, it's actually got three compounds: one in the middle, one towards the the um, you know the shoulders, not towards the end. Uh, but the the compound that's totally towards the end, sidewall shoulders, I should say, um, is a is a SC three compound, the compound that's there. Right, and so, uh, so yeah, a lot of these uh, technologies coming from World Superbike that we're using at the level do- definitely does trickle down, and, and that's a prime example of that. 
It's funny you bring up the um, Diablo Rosso Corso too. It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Yeah, Pirelli really, yeah, we, Italians, you know, a lot of words, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but when, when I was at that press launch, and I remember they were talking a lot about the use of silica for wet traction yes. and things like that. Not something we talk too much about on, on the racing side, maybe except for like the rain tires. I don't even know if, that, if the r- racing uh, rains have silica in them or not, but... It, it definitely has a different... Uh, not chemical chemicals in there, we'll put it that way. So it's not the same as the slicks or anything like DOTs. But it's interesting for me on how the street tires, obviously having different requirements because the riders are using them in different sure. conditions, so much more varying conditions, especially how the, the compound makes considerations for that. But I'm wondering, well, one, I want to know if you can explain to me how silica works and how that's, you know, how you make a tire work better in the rain. And two, if there's other like compound considerations you have to make for for whether it's a DOT race tire, if it's a sport bike tire, if it's just a general road tire. Sure. No, I understand. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of chemicals out there. I mean, silica is just one of them. Um, in, in the mixture, like if you if you open your mom's cabinet with all the spices and stuff like that, there's just that many chemicals that you could put in tires as well, right? So it's it's really hard to pick down saying, hey, it needs to be more the X and or more just Y, and, and that's it. So um, so it's it's. Uh, it's really it's a really cool blend like there's just countless ways that you can make a tire just depending on compound chemicals for sure um so and that that goes into play in, in um with the the different compounds that we have just even the race spectrum for sure so and then when you get to the street then it's a whole different ballpark because you know street has a lot of applications that you have to attend to you know if you're on uh, two up which is a lot more load on the tire or the conditions or what you know it's to almost like how much it could withstand punctures and stuff like that so so depending on what your application is of course is whatever whatever spice you're going to bring out from your mom's pantry if i can um but the silica does a really good job the silica does uh it's a pretty impressive chemical just because of the application and one that the the colder it is and the more wet it is, uh, it provided a little bit more grip uh, at that point, and it was um, really impressive at the time. So it, it's not like you could just say, hey, it's a silica compound. Like, it's a blend of X amount of silica, depending on the application. Again, you know, whatever you want that tire to do, then it's a it's a different blend of that stuff. So um, it, it, it's a really general description of it, and uh, sorry I can't get a little bit more involved. But um, it, it's it's been a really impressive chem, uh, compound and chemicals, I should say. Um, that's really kind of changed the game for tires overall when it comes to all weather riding. Can you explain to me like the mechanism on, on how like like silica, for example, works when it's raining out? How does that improve my grip, or how does that improve my traction on the motorcycle at yeah, a chemical level? It's just it's it's just yeah, it's one of those things. Like it, it's um, you know. If you want to say like carbon black, uh, carbon black is probably the exact opposite, right? When it's cold, it doesn't really act very well, but it's got a, a lot more grip than silica, you know, when it's dry. Um, it just, it's, it's like the opposite of that. So it's just the way that it actually interacts with other chemicals, water per se, right? That, that allows it to have a, a, a different, um, result in, in interacting with those and, and the asphalt and such. So, um, I can't really go into all the details or anything like that, to be quite honest. But um, it's just it's just been impressive how that how that interacts with the the different conditions out there in the road for sure. Hmm. So. Hmm. 
Um, you brought up abrasiveness earlier, and that's one of the things I hear a lot when I go to races, whether it's World Superbike or MotoGP or Moto America. They'll talk about the abrasiveness of the track and how that affects tire choice. How do you, one, how do you rate that? And then two, how do you go back to your tire selection and be like, okay, this has got a, a mu coefficient of 0.3 or whatever it is. And that's, sure. that, that means we're going to use this tire instead of that tire. Yeah, it's, um, it's again, it's dynamic <laughs> because, you know, it's black and white in the sense that some tracks are, are definitely more smooth than other tracks. Black and white example is, say, Barber. You know, Barber is a really smooth track, um, whereas Jennings is a really abrasive track. And that's just that's just the way it is. That's that's how those tracks are. However, you know, you got to take um, temperature in consideration, you know. So a, a, a track that might be medium abrasive, when it's cold, it actually becomes a lot more abrasive track. And so you have to, that's why we go to like the SC2s or even SC3s, because those tires are the ones that, to operate in the cold temperatures and also the, the abrasiveness at the track as well. So those two things combine to give you the choice of whatever X, X compound. Um, you know, a prime example too. So, um, you know, Nicky Hayden, unfortunately, obviously has passed away, but, uh, I did work with him one time in, uh, Spain, in Aragon. And, uh, we were, uh, just starting the race out there and, uh, he chose a, a SC0. And he's like, hey man, did I, did we make a mistake on this? And, and Aragon is a, a super smooth track, kind of like, uh, Barber, like I made the example. Super smooth track. The temperature was about 55 degrees, 60 degrees. Really cold, where it's like anybody who kind of reads our sheet said, no, 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 you're not supposed to use the SE0 at a cold temperature. But I know that this track was so smooth that it wasn't a problem. And, and Nicky was fast enough with the SE0 that he could keep the heat in the tire. So taking all those things in consideration, it actually was a good move. And, and he did really good overall. And, and there was really no issues with the tires and no tearing or anything like that. So... So that's one prime example where it's like, it's just out in left field, or like 55 degrees. Are you kidding me? You, you, you did an SC0? With all these things combined and the decision, the balance was, hey, this was probably the best tire that we could have at the time. So, so you really have to lean on your local trackside guy, trackside vendor, Pirelli trackside vendor to have the experience to know what compounds at what temperatures are, are, are going to work and, and, uh, to, to kind of, Trust them in that, in that, or obviously you could, you know, see what other riders are using and such like that too. So it's, it's, I wish I had a black and white answer because of raceness and, and temperatures. And like you said, it would make my job a lot easier um, if I could just kind of hand out a flyer and say, hey, this is the way sure, it is. Sure. And that's it. But uh, it's not, and it's, it's fairly dynamic. Well, I think that's kind of where we start getting into like the dark art of it because, you know, I know as a track day rider, I don't know anything, right? So I'm going up to I'm going up to my 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 tire guy, and they usually have like a board that says, "Okay, here's your cold temperatures, or here's here's your hot temperatures," sure. and that's that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And then I go out and I ride my track day. Sure. And then maybe you know now that I'm a little bit more wise, I check it after every session. But maybe when I first started, I checked it at lunch. Right, right. right. If um, you remembered, of if course. I remembered, right? Because right. you know, it's lunch time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right after my nap. <laughs> right. But there's there's I feel like. On the consumer side, like those are like the guidelines that we have that we work with, and we don't have the the understanding of of the tracks and um, what the temperature is, the barometric pressure, the dew point, the, you know, all these other <laughs> right, factors the that you guys are probably yeah. <laughs> paying a little bit more attention to. So, I mean, if you can give advice to to riders like myself or track day enthusiasts, what I mean, wh- where do we start? Yeah. 
I think the two major things for me, of course, is, you know, temperature and pressure. You know, that's uh, what really dictates a lot with your tires. And, and uh, to be quite honest, for me, I think pressure is less important than temperature. You just, you've got these tires that are made to operate in a certain temperature range. And we need to pay attention to that. But that's a hard part right there. You, the you, you just told me it's a range. Right. It's a range. <laughs> uh, again, because the balance is... At a temperature range at X track could be a, temp- a different uh, compound at, uh, and with this range at Y track. And so it's, it's just fully dynamic. And so it's kind of hard to say black and white that this is what you need to do. But saying that, uh, the, the temperatures are very important because the, the, the pressure is just a byproduct to get you to the temperature that you need to be. Right, and if there's still issues, and you're in that temperature range, you're using the wrong compound at that point, and so then that's that's when you have to take a step back and say, hey, this is it's not it's not really hooking up, or hey, it might be tearing. We definitely need this to switch in one way or or, or the other, depending on if, what's going on, right? Uh, so, you know, it's it's a prime example. You've got a street tire, right? That's made to operate. I'll, I'm just going to throw an example because it depends on what the street tire is. But say it's it's made to operate between 50 degrees and 130 degrees, right? You, you this t- is Fahrenheit. This is Fahrenheit. Sorry, okay. yeah, Fahrenheit. Um, and it, you know, you get the street tire and you take it to the racetrack and you're trying to bomb on your thousand, your leader bike and stuff like that, and you're going around the track. And, um, you know, you're getting this thing to 160 degrees, which really isn't that hot, to be quite honest. But now you're outside of the temperature range. Sure. Right? And so it's like you definitely don't have the right tire for the application that you're trying to use. You've got to go to another tire that is made to be used in that temperature range and such. So that's why a lot of people want to take the street tires to the track. They're like, oh, I got greasy and, and all this other stuff. Or I overheated the tire. It, it, it takes a lot to overheat a race tire. It really doesn't take too much to overheat a street tire to the point where it's not really usable anymore. It's not really giving the amount of grip that you you really need to go around the tracks at the pace that you want to go. Um, so that's I know it's a great answer to to your question that you asked, but uh, that's why it's really important to have that relationship with the trackside vendor or whoever you buy the tires from um, for your local track uh, experience and and just it it. It's, it shaves off a lot of years of, um, you know, just going around in circles, and it saves a lot of gray hairs. Uh, if you just talk to somebody who has the experience from the get go, for you're sure. You're looking out ahead of all I'm the not, gray no, hairs. I'm not. No, looking past you. There's this guy. There's, he's you got tell some. Tell him I've had some tire <laughs> troubles. <Come on. laughs> yeah. But I think that's. I mean, you you said a couple things that I think they're interesting. You know, you, I always try and think about like what are the signs. You talk about tires getting greasy and tires getting torn, seeing tears. Um, explain that for for my listeners, and then explain like what that means is going on in the tire. Sure. Yeah. So greasy, uh, you know, it doesn't look like it's torn or anything like that. It just it doesn't have the grip that's supposed to be there. This is you a know? feel thing. It's not a visual thing. Correct. It's a feel thing. It's like, uh, and I hear this a lot from some, you know, a lot of the riders. It just got greasy, man. It's just not hooking up and all this stuff. So again, you know, I look at the tire if it's the right tire for what we're trying to do or not. Um, and if it's not, sometimes it's just like, look. You know, again, deflection. What's your pressure? Is okay. Yeah, you're you're probably uh, probably creating a little too much heat. Let's go up in pressure. As long as we don't lose the contact patch and lose the grip, let's go up in pressure. Cool the tire down a little bit more while you're out there. Um, the other the other problem with greasy feeling is asphalt. Um, asphalt gets a little uh, more slick. It loses grip as it gets hot, right? And not a lot of people know that. And not all the track loses grip at the same rate as other tracks. 
So some tracks lose its grip more uh, uh, quickly, or yeah, more quickly at a certain temperature than than other tracks. So again, your trackside provider should know this, but. Um, that's the other part of the equation. The tire is only one part of this equation when it comes to uh, a grip uh, friction coefficient, right? It's only one part of that. You got you got to worry about the surface and how that's reacting and how that's changing with the temperature going on as well. And so you have to adapt with that. One more thing to put in your toolbox to adapt to is is the track uh, depending on the temperature as well. So greasy has you know that's. In a roundabout way, that's kind of what's going on with Greasy. You're probably just out of the range one way or another, or the track has just given up that much grip that, hey, it's getting hot, and you need to, one way or another, make up for the grip that the track is losing. Um, sorry, yes, I forgot to turn that off before this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Take five points off your total Whoever score. Whoever that was, the 662 number. Um so, uh, so that's greasy. Tearing, what usually happens is, uh, the surface of the tire gets a little cold and it's mixed matched from the temperature underneath the surface. And so you got this nice soft compound underneath and you got a harder compound because it's cold now. And, uh, when, when tires get cold, they get a little bit more brittle, if you can, if you could imagine that. And so then they start to tear, right? And so when people talk about cold tear, that's, that's kind of what happened. You, you have, I'm going to say this with an asterisk, you know, depending on setup, because it always could be spring, it could be clickers or anything else. But say you have the perfect, quote, unquote, perfect setup, you know, you just have the wrong compound for the conditions at that point. You need something a little bit more durable that's going to, that's going to be usable at a lower temperature range, right? And so then, then you have to be cognizant and say, okay, well, I need to, in Pirelli's term, you know, for the rear, go to SE1 or SE2 or maybe even SE3 that handles the lower temperatures a lot better when, when you're trying to put that much force into the tire. Hmm. What should I be looking at when I pull off uh, after a track session? I mean, I always see when the riders come in from um, professional racing, nine times out of ten they go and they look at the rear, the rear tire. Yeah, they always do that. <laughs> even if there's nothing wrong, I'm like, hey, how's the rear? Oh, nothing. Just, it's cool. It's perfect. So I'm like, well, you looked at the thing there. It just seemed like there was something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but what can I, what can I read visually from, from looking at my tires when I come in from a session? Yeah. You want them to be smooth. I mean, plain and simple. You just want them to be smooth. And, you know, I, I look on Facebook and I look on the internet and all this other stuff and people say, Oh, yeah, you want it to be torn a little bit because that's when you're using it. And you want it to be, you know, XYZ. You really do just want it to be smooth. Right, a little. I know, like uh, out there, they're saying a little sandy beach look and, and everything like that. Sure, when you're when you're looking at that from eight feet away, 10, 10 feet away, it still looks smooth. So th- that's what you really want overall. Um, and, and you know, any kind of tearing is most likely that there's something going on. To be quite honest, um, if you if you purposely do that and say, "I just, I knew it was going to tear up, but I dang, I want that as soft so that way I could have the fast lap." Fine, so be it. Tore up as long as it's stuck, it's fine. But you really don't want to strive for kind of any kind of tearing or inconsistency. A lot of people too, like they'll go out and ride on the track and they'll come in and there's like, you know, whatever you call them, little tire boogers or gumballs on there and stuff like that. Most of the time, it's not your rubber. You can just kind of look at it and peel it off your tire and it's really not your rubber. It's just uh, when you're kind of cooling in you run over some rubber, you just kind of pick it up and that's it. But for the most part, you, you really want your tires to look smooth. So I look down my tire and I don't see it smooth. Is there anything like that you could say like, oh, I see that you're 
Oh, this is going to be a five-hour conversation now. <laughs> we got time. We, how many batteries you got going on? <laughs> you know, we're, I'm actually testing right now with Aprilia. Um, we've got the MotoGP team doing with the Michelin stuff. We've got another bike that we're doing some testing on another project. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool that we're, we're talking here while this stuff is going on. Max Biaggi, I just kind of saw him walk by and stuff. So it's, it's cool. Um, but so, yeah, if I, if I have to leave here and there, <laughs> I, I got stuff going on. Sorry. But um, that, that honestly, I say a five hour conversation just because it's that loaded of a question. It's really hard to say with this pattern, you got X, this pattern, you got Y. It, it, it could be a lot of things. I mean, it could be rebound. It could be compression. It could be too soft of a spring. It could be air pressure. It could be a, a compound choice. It's it's definitely a lot of stuff. And it's really hard to to really explain that. Um not only that, but in my experience and the way I've really been working with a lot of riders, some riders are front tire riders, some tires are rear tire riders, some guys are both, which are, is not very common at all, honestly, when, when they favor, uh, both at the same time. So it's, it's, uh, it's a learning experience for me. Whenever I work with a new rider, I always, you know, try to learn how they are, their personalities, talk to them, of course, first. And then second is like how they really like to ride. And depending on that, I, I might have the same bike, kind of the same setup, but I might have two totally different air pressures for the two guys, depending on how they ride. Um, or, you know, we could have different springs, um, stiffness or just compounds in general too, because, Hey, I like to kind of let it drift out a little bit. I like to steer with my rear. Okay. We'll do this at this pressure. No, I really like the tight line. I like to be in control all the time. I don't like to wiggle at all. Okay. Cool. We're going to do this with this pressure. So. That's how much of a dynamic this thing is and how hard it is to answer the question of, hey, is it, you know, it, it really depends on how the setup is and the, the bike and, and the track and, and what temperature it is. So I, I hate to be so great about it, really. Um, it's like kind of explaining what's wrong with your car over the phone, you know? Sure. It's like, right. no, the mechanic's going to say every time, bring it in. It's the same thing. Like, I need to see what's going on. I need to kind of check things out, see how much of the uh, suspension has a lot to do with it. Um, you, you really have to see how those are interacting with each other to get a better clue what's going on with the tire. Because honestly, one tear could be a, a couple of, uh, uh, of things that could have gone wrong. That could be, that could be tire pressure. Could be that tire could pressure. Be track temperature. Yeah, how hard you're in the suspension if it's too stiff or sure. not and stuff. So that's why it's a really difficult question to answer. Okay, I think I want to finish it up with with kind of just um, good housekeeping. And I, I got to start it off with I buy a new set of tires. I got the stickers still on them. I don't think I've ever had a dealer not tell me, "Oh, be careful! There's mold release on these." You know, go to careful those first few laps. Really scrub those in. Is that the case? And explain that to me. Yeah, um, some tires are different than others. It depends on how much volume uh, that's being utilized by the mold that's producing the tires. So if it's a high volume mold, they might have a little bit of release on it. Not, a, not an extreme amount. It's just to try to preserve the mold to, for the long run. Race tires are such a low volume and stuff. We don't have a mold release on race tires, right? Um, and majority of the time now, um, in a lot of the sh uh, tires that are out there, we say that and we recommend that and so do the dealers just because the tire is is smooth. It's a smooth surface. If you have something smooth that you're, you're kind of dragging on something, obviously it's not going to take much weight to pull it across the floor, right? 
or over concrete or any kind of surface. However, if it's worn in, if it has a little bit of uh, divots in it and, and it's able to bite in the concrete a little bit more, I do this in air quotes again, um, it has a little bit more mechanical grip, right? And, and I'll use mechanical grip and compound grip. So when a tire is new, it's so smooth that it tends to want to slip and slide a little bit more because it's not broken in. It doesn't have the mechanical grip to actually adhere mm -hmm. to the asphalt or whatever surface. The compound is still there. The chemistry is still there. The, the chemical grip is there. But right. as long as it's at the, the right temperature range, that chemical grip is there depending on that operation range. But the mechanical grip of, of the, the one surface being smooth has a lower friction coefficient than if it had been broken in and had the mechanical grip uh, a little higher because it's been, you know, what a lot of people will say scrubbed in. One of the things that kind of struck me, or at least the light bulb went off in my head, was when it was explained to me that tires don't grip on a, on a 2D plane. It's a 3D Right, right. It's like know, jagged teeth trying to, like, match with each other. Yeah, it might be really small. It might be microscopic, but... It's when you blow it up, you know that that makes a difference for sure. Yeah, that's interesting for me. Um, so I buy my tires... I'm conscious of the mechanical grip aspect, but sure. I want to heat them up before I go out to the track. What, what's the process for that? Yeah, so, um, you know, it depends. <laughs> I'm catching myself saying depends again because it's uh, such an engineering answer. Um, we can make a drinking game out of it afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's do that tonight. But, um, yeah, it, it depends, again, what the application is. So uh, I'll make this a lot simpler, right? So if it's a race tire... And the op operating range needs to be high, like like I was saying, you know, you have to have high temperatures to make this work. Um, what you really want is you want them on the warmer uh, at least for an hour. You want to you want to make sure it's not just the surface that's warm, but it's the internal. So that way, there's no big uh, temperature difference from when you start your session to the end, because you have to worry about the rubber on the inside of the tire being the same heat as the surface of the tire because the that tire comes back to the tearing. It comes back to the tearing. Right. Not only that, but if if you go on the track and you the the internal part of the, the tire is not as warm as the surface <laughs> we got like a Zamboni just kind of driving along getting some, a little some shopping cars. It's awesome. <laughs> Life at the track. Um so what happens is if you don't heat the tire um, fully, I will say, um, you go out the, you go out and you do some laps and you know by deflection friction you actually do end up uh, heating up more. Um, you're going to be at a different pressure overall now, right? The pressure you start with is now going to be higher because this tire is a lot higher. Um, the temperature is a lot higher, and then you lose contact patch because more pressure, less contact patch, and that might be one of those things where you say, "Hey, it's getting greasy." Might not be anything about temperature. It's actually you grew in pressure because mm -hmm. you weren't on the warmers long enough, or your temperatures, uh, your your warmers weren't hot enough. Which is why I check my pressures after I come in every session now. For, yes, instead of once at lunch, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so th that's really important that you get you get it right from the start. So you know, at least an hour on the warmers. What what temperature? Yeah, most so. Most warmers are, are one temp and a lot of guys, you know, they definitely go for the one temp because warmers are expensive and, uh, you know, we'll put and it in kind it, of consumable. Kind they of don't consumable. seem to have a very long shelf the life shelf sometimes. Life, right. Exactly. So, um, and you know, if you put it in terms of tires, like that's a set of tires, man. Um, so yeah, they're, they're expensive. Um, but usually those are about 175, 175 degrees, uh, give or take five, depending on the brand and such. Right. So that's the, the, um, the one tap warmers. The other warmers, uh, again, you know, 
I'm with full disclosure. I'm not. I don't. I'm not a tire warmer guy or anything like that. I'm about to buy my first pair. Okay. I've been riding sport bikes for like 18 years. I'm about to buy my first <laughs> pair of tire 18 warmers. 18 years. <laughs> you lasted this long without warmers, and then now you're gonna. Get, but it's it's advantageous for sure, and we could always talk about that later if you like. But uh, you know uh, the you know the two temps usually like 135. They'll just call like a, you know medium temp. It's a 135 and like 175, 185. So you you always want to just kind of have it on that high for an hour before you want to go out you know the thing is here's another depending answer like you always say hey well what's what temperature do i want to be at before i go out it's it's really hard for me to answer that because it could be uh you know i'm gonna pick up my coworker nick even though he's he's a great guy and everything it could be nick who who's a track day guy that does and you know we'll, we'll use coda for example it does a three minute lap here at coda you're just kind of going out he just wants to have fun all that other stuff or it could be you where it's like hey i, I could i could i could flick it up if i want i could do you know two whatever 30 or if hey it's uh now i'm going to work with avro batista or, or somebody at the world superbike level where they're going to go around uh, don't call me on this because obviously i haven't been here but you know we'll just say a 213 something like that it, you know haul in the mail or even marquez if i'm working with him and we're doing 205s the the amount of heat that each person in those categories create is different, vastly mm-hmm. different, right? Your three-minute guy is going to be low heat. You probably could go around on a street tire. You probably not even need warmers. But he, he's at a certain temperature range when he's out in the track, right? You, for instance, you're going to be in middle range, not too hot, not too cold. You're going to be there. And, of course, you know, a World Super Bike or a Moto GP, or GP caliber guy is going to go very, very hot uh, on the tire because there's a lot of deflection. He's put a lot of force in the tire and stuff. So what you really want to do is you want to match from the start what temperature mm. you're going to be at on the track, right? You don't want to start too high. You don't want to start too low. You want to kind of match that as much as possible. So I'm sitting there with my single temp warmers, 175-ish. But if I walk into a superbike paddock or a GP paddock, I might see their warmer set at something higher then. Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't be surprised if it's definitely more than 190, 200, oh, wow. per se, you know? So... That's the key. You don't want any temperature uh, variation. You want to minimize the temperature variation. You definitely want to minimize the pressure variation because that affects, well, a lot of things. Handling, grip, you know, compound, how the compound actually reacts with it because of the amount of contact patches on the ground and stuff like that, too. So so it's it's a loaded question, but hopefully that gave uh, somewhat of an answer. Like, it really depends on where you're at in the level of temperature. Sure. So does that mean when I come in after my session, I've got one of those little laser infrared guns that, um, you know, I want to see 175 register when I'm shooting it at the carcass of the tire, or is that a different number? Yeah, no, um, the surface temperature is, is good, and that's that's kind of what you want to say. see. Like if, hey, I'm going to go out 175, I want to kind of see it back 175. Whatever that makes the most sense when you're on the track. It's hard to get a temperature reading when you're going around the track unless you have an IR system and all that stuff. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. Like if you're if you're going around at 130 when you're coming back in uh, and you check it with your your laser, you know it's it's a big waste to to, to put uh, tire warmers on at 175 for an hour when you're just gonna come back in at 130. Um, in all sense and uh, purposes, you probably should just be on a street tire because it'll operate in that range and you mm-hmm. really don't need warmers per se at that mm-hmm. you know you just kind of take a lap or two make sure you're cautious and and uh just just do that instead so going back to the single temp versus dual temp warmers what what's that lower temperature for then what am i using that 
Yeah, there's a lot of times where say, hey, you have a lunch break or a lot of the unfortunate guys who have the race at the first of the, the uh, day and maybe they have it at the, the seventh race or something, depending on how long the races are. Um, you know, anything longer than two hours, you want to put it on a medium. You want to put it on that 135. You don't really want to make it really cold because maybe something you you know don't want to touch on and might want to touch on is the, the heat cycles. You know, mm. anytime a tire goes up, you know, extreme temp and it comes back down, you know, that's pretty much considered a heat cycle. And again, I'm going to say pretty much because there's no real definition of a heat cycle, you know, uh, side conversation, say, you know, you're an endurance race and you go three hours on this one tire. Well, you only warmed it up once to cool it down once. That's only one heat cycle. Yeah, it's a way better tire than somebody else who, who, uh, you know, just kind of went out a couple of sessions, three laps a piece, but they have three heat cycles on, cycles on it. You know what I mean? So, I would almost be inclined to use the three heat cycle one because the tire is definitely going to be in more con better condition if it only has a handful of laps. So that's why I, I say it's not a definite answer. But you, that warm setting is so that way you don't go from hot to, to cold and then back to hot. Okay. That's definitely more detrimental that's definitely to the road. cycle. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's going to deteriorate the tire. It's going to degrade the tire a lot more than if you just kind of went hot. Yeah, we'll just go to warm for a little bit, wait till we wick it back up right before a race, turn it back to hot or to whatever temperature range that is useful for you at your level, and then go have some fun. Okay. Well, Oscar, I think we've, we've touched on a lot of things. It seems like it's a good jumping off point because if I'm reading what you're saying correctly, at the end of the day, it comes down to experience and it comes down to knowing your bike and and knowing your track, and that only comes with, with time and, and putting the miles and the laps in. Right. Yeah, and I... Yeah, I know that, you know, if it was a black-white answer and if it was one-size-fits-all, I wouldn't be here talking to you because that information would have been done, passed down, and we wouldn't have to worry about it. But as bikes evolve, as tracks evolve, as tires evolve and everything, we we, we really have to keep with the, the times and evolve ourselves and with the understanding that we have with the tires and, and how they react with the bike, for sure. Well, I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy today with the testing, so uh, yeah, thank you for talking to us. Awesome. Right. Good talking. Great. Thanks, bud. All right, that's all we have for this episode. I would like to thank Oscar and Pirelli for being part of the show, and I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Motor Podcast. If you like the show, let us know. Leave a comment on social media. We use the handle This Is Motor on virtually every platform, or leave us a review on whatever podcasting service you use. We greatly appreciate the feedback. Until next time, I'm Jensen Beeler. This is Motorcycles on the Record. This is the Motor Podcast.